You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today we are doing a revisit of the 2020 NBA Draft, specifically focused on Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, and a third guy that'll be kind of a mystery. Stay tuned to find out who that is. You are locked on the NBA Draft. As is custom on a Wednesday morning, it is your host, Sam Ferris. You can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. I am constantly posting my thoughts, some stats, some clips, both from draft prospects, as well as the young guys already in the NBA. And today, that is what we're doing, is we're going to revisit uh, a couple guys from the 2020 draft class, see how they've done so far, how our evaluations have changed, both up till now and moving forward. I always enjoy doing that part, keeping track of these guys. I'm a big NBA fan, of course, and I've got a great guest to join me to discuss that today. Uh, But first, I just want to thank you guys for making the Locked On NBA Draft Show your first listen today and hopefully every day. means a lot, but we're here to talk basketball, so without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so let's bring in the guest that I've got to join me today. It is C.T. Fazio. You can follow him on Twitter at C.T. Fazio24. He is a contributor at Crown Hoops. Uh, C.T., how's it going for you this afternoon? Hey, Sam, how's it going? Thank you for having me on. Always always great talking draft and, and NBA with you. Yeah, so today uh, we've mostly been focusing on the rookies that just got picked, Uh, We're focusing a lot on the next wave of guys, that next draft class. But, you know, I still have a soft spot in my heart for the 2020 draft class. That was when we first when I first started my podcast. And so I still love, obviously, you know, one of my favorite parts of the draft in general is just keeping track of the guys, seeing how my evaluations do over time. And you, I don't know about UCT, but you spend so much time scouting these guys that you just can't hope you just cannot help but cheer for them all and just hope for so much success so it's so fun following them in the NBA so what we're doing today we're gonna do a check-in on a couple of those guys from that draft two years ago it's gonna be Ant Edwards Tyrese Halliburton and Sadiq Bey are the guys we're gonna focus on today um so we're gonna get started first with Tyrese Halliburton. Um, So I've got a couple different questions, a couple different thoughts on each of these guys. But, you know, to start it off, kind of getting to the point on Halliburton CT, would you say that your outlook on him has changed dramatically since your initial evaluation of him? I definitely think my my outlook has changed a decent bit. Um, Coming into the draft with Halliburton, I had him as a top 10 to 12 uh, pick in that range right there. So, I mean, probably right now he's probably returned top 10 value. I think no doubt about it. Um, just going into, into the draft and, and seeing how he's progressed now um, with me, with Halliburton, my big concern, I think a lot of people's concern um, was about his ability to create for himself that he needs a screen basically to yeah. kind of operate and get uh, to the spots that he wants. But um, you know, in the games that I've watched and, and, and viewed of him, 
he's actually really taken a leap as far as his one-on-one ability where teams kind of, you know, they want to switch against him to see if he can beat the switch. And he's actually done a really, really good job of doing that. So um, I'd say he's definitely surpassed my expectations for right now. Um, you know, last year he shot the ball at a really good clip. He shot 41% from three on five attempts. Um, I think in college, too, I think his percentage was around, around the 40s, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, I, I knew the three-point ability would translate um, playing off the ball and him playing against him playing beside a guy like De'Aaron Fox, who has really, really, you know, great downhill ability. Um, you know, his jump shot is still a work in progress, but he's, he's really, really adept at getting into the rim has opened up a lot for Halliburton and playing beside a guard like that. I think that was the perfect role um, that, you know, people who are really, really high on him envisioned him playing and he's doing that right now. So um, I'd say with Halliburton, uh, he's definitely surpassed a little bit of my expectations, but uh, I'm not really surprised at what I'm seeing from him right now. Yeah, I think I, I certainly agree with what you said. You hit on a lot of good points there. So, you know, to start out for me, like, I don't, Nothing I've seen from him has been like dramatically different than what I expected or projected. Right. And it was as we go through a few of these guys, I think this is, you know, kind of a consistent theme for me is, you know, the hardest part of evaluation and preparing for the draft and kind of doing what we do. It's not necessarily, you know, seeing what they're good at, evaluating how good they are at it. It's more so like, how does that fit in the NBA? How important are those skills going to be? How does that role translate those kind of things? And so, you know, often we think about the draft, we think, you know, it's just evaluating, watching film, seeing how well does this guy shoot? How well does he dribble? In reality, the hardest part is how do those things kind of come together and how does that translate to the NBA level? Because, you know, we all play basketball. uh, We've all watched college basketball, international, the NBA game is just, it's a different game than other other levels of basketball too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot that goes into it. But like you said, I think he he's a little bit better one-on-one. He's certainly improved in terms of there's a little bit, you've seen flashes of some shot creation off the bounce. But in general, like he still doesn't really play through contact that well. He's still very thin, still doesn't get to the rim that often. Mm-hmm. And though he's a really good passer, has great IQ, still not really a great ball handler either. And of course still has the slightly funky release on his jump shot. But, you know, you said you had him like in the 10 to 12, maybe top 10 range. I think I had him like six or seven. So this was one of my, I think better calls. A lot of people were lower on him. I just think he's kind of done everything that we knew he could do as good or better than we expected. Do you think that's kind of a fair assessment? I, yeah, I definitely think that's a fair assessment. Um, so basically, like the calculus that that I was kind of you know picturing right now uh, with mm-hmm. Halliburton was I didn't really think of him as the star player where you know he's going to be the heliocentric option. You know, we see guys like um, you know like Luca and someone like that. Where I didn't I didn't really think of him in that in that kind of vein. I kind of thought of him as a star role player. Yeah. Um, you know, playing off the ball of, of another potent guard, which which Jaron Fox is. Yeah. You know, I think he's definitely has a good chance to be an All Star this year. Yeah. But that was the role that re- you had to and really, I think, envision him playing where he couldn't really be the sole point guard operating beside a, 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 a shooting guard like that. So you needed another guard who was dynamic in that aspect. Um, and I still think the fit is a little bit kind of um, kind of off because Fox is not really that great of a jump shooter right now. Yeah. But uh, as far as Halliburton goes, I really love his pick and roll play. Um, him and Rashawn Holmes developed a really great synergy in, in that aspect. Yeah. 
um, you know, hitting hitting shooters as well, like Harrison Barnes. Um, I, I really enjoyed actually watching, you know, him play with Sacramento's guys. Um, I think he's a great addition to to what they're doing right now. And, um, you know, seeing how he does this year is to see if he can take a leap from last year because last year he was very good, 13 points a game, 41% from three, um, you know, six assists a game. So he, he had a very good year as far as a rookie goes, and he's still young and still growing. So I think this year he's, he's going to be really poised to to take another step forward as well. Yeah, I think you make a really good point with the fit for him because it's easy to see the fit now, him playing off of Fox, but you make a good point because I remember leading up to the draft, we thought there was a good chance that the Knicks were going to pick him. Right. And that that was kind of our worry, to hit on your point, was he was going to ask to be the point guard, the lead ball handler for the Knicks, and we just didn't know if he could really do that. And he still very well might not be able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But um, he, he fits in well next to a guy like Fox. Um, and I liked also your point about Holmes because uh, we see Halliburton, he, you know, he loves to run pick and roll, but he doesn't yeah. love to look for his own shot out of pick and roll. He loves to pass. And so something that I think he needs to continue to work on, and I've posted this, uh, some clips on Twitter, he's started to look for his mid-range jump shot. That's really going to open up a lot for him. Uh, that's just something he didn't really do in college that much. But it's funny because he's ended up with the perfect pick and roll partner in Holmes because he loves uh, that pocket pass. And because he doesn't get the defense to commit that much, often like the roll man doesn't have that much space and has to, he just kind of ends up with this floater for the big. Right. But the thing is that Rashawn Holmes is like the best floater shooting big uh, ever. <laughs> so that floater is a killer, man. It's that a killer. floater's a killer. So he's kind of ended up in a, pretty good spot all around, but I think he also does kind of lift the teammates around him. So I, I want to hit on this point too with you. You hinted at the fact where you specifically said we were worried about him as strictly an on-ball guy. You know, mm-hmm. the word connector was tossed around a lot with him. Um, do you think long-term, I guess, what do you think about the phrase connector? And do you think long-term that's still what he's going to be? And how okay are you with that? I'm definitely okay with that. Um, you know, I think that was a great kind of description as to what he is. Um, where did, do you know where he went in the draft back in 2020? Uh, yeah. He was top seven? Top. No, no. He ended up drafting a little or dropping a little further than we thought. Uh, remember, because he went to the Kings. What was it, like 12 or 13? I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, yeah, it was 12. Yeah. Okay, he went 12, right? So I think, like, right there at 12, you know, he's a lottery pick. But I just think if you go past 10, I, I really think that was a great pick, um, great value pick for the Kings. Um, and, and kind of to answer your question, yeah, I think, you know, the connector uh, label is a good one for him. Um, but, again, some flashes that I saw in his rookie year kind of made me think that he couldn't be more than a connector. Um, yep. You know, I saw in some games where he was actually able to, to, to beat switches, you know, pretty handily while I was getting to the rim. Um, at times, you know, I know he still shy, shies away from contact here and there, but um, as far as he's able to actually get paint touches and kick out the shooters, and as well as, like we said before, hit, uh, you know, homes for lobs. So I think that's, you know, that's something that's really, really beneficial to offenses, you know, how many paint touches you can get, you know, to kind of spread out the defense. But yeah, I think that label is probably accurate. Um, but again, I think he has more, I think he's more upside than that because, you know, like we're seeing right now, he's got a little bit of a floater game that he's added to to his arsenal. Um, the mid-range shot, like you said, 
he's sure. been adding to that as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think the, the pick and roll is definitely his bread and butter, but I think, you know, seeing him, uh, being able to attack switching defenses is something that he's going to have to do, um, with Fox in order to take the Kings to, you know, that next step toward making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think what separates him from most connectors, because I don't know about you, but when I hear the term connector, I think of a guy that's like pretty high IQ, does everything like pretty well, but just doesn't really do anything at a very high level. Right. Well, the, the difference with Halliburton is one, he's like elite IQ, but also he's an elite shooter. You said this earlier, but 40% his over 40% his rookie year, over 40% at Iowa State, over right. 40% on the FIBA youth team, over 40% in high school. Like, he's just a guaranteed 40% from three, and that's huge because that, that just separates him from other guys that you might classify in a similar role. And I think that uh, it both boosts his floor but also his ceiling as a player moving forward. So I think that that is really important to him. Um, and – just real quick to hit on, because a lot of people were worried about the funky jump shot. You've talked about how he's already improved in the mid-range. We didn't ever think he'd really have the pull-up, and he's already further along than we kind of thought there. But also, he's sped up the just the timing on his release. Like, he can get it off very quickly. And he also is fine shooting from deep range as well. So I've just found that guys with his work ethic and his IQ, though you know, there might be some issues to their game. Guys like him just tend to find ways to craft and work their game around some of the issues they might have. And I, I love that about Halliburton. Like you said, one of my favorite players to watch in that class. Um, so we'll finish up now. I don't want to put you completely on the spot. I know and assume that you would take LaMelo and Ant in some order, one, two at the top, just mm -hmm. off the top of your head. Because I'll say for me, I would take Halliburton third in a redraft right now. Uh, are you are you there with me off the top of your head? Maybe a little lower. Where do you think you'd come down on him? And just to give you a few names, guys that might be considered up there. Um, I don't know, like Pat Williams would probably right. be up there. I'm still lower on Isaiah Stewart, but a lot of people really like him. Mm -hmm. Um like Desmond Bain and Maxi have both played well. Yep. Uh, Sadiq Bay, we're going to talk about at the end of this podcast as well. Uh, where are you kind of uh, high level with Halliburton? Um. So for me with Halliburton, I think I would probably, I would most definitely take him top five. I think that's without a doubt. Yeah. Um. So for me, I'd probably go Lamelo one, Edwards two, three. I think I would. This might be a hot take. I think I might take Tyrese Maxi over him. Ooh, um, okay. Might be a hot take for now, but I definitely think, you know, he would probably be four. Yeah. I'd probably say definitely around three or four. I, I'd like the argument for him over Tyrese Max. I would, is definitely something that I would be, um, that I would take as well. But I, I, that was just, I think me, cause I was higher on Maxi in the pre-draft process. Yep. I had him, I think I had him sixth on my final big board. So the other, yeah, yeah, I agree. The other guy I'll throw in that I didn't is Jaden McDaniels, who I really liked yep. pre-draft. Me too. I, I would have him top seven. I yep. I love him moving forward. Just Me want too. to mention his name. But yeah, so you'd have him about four. I'd have him three. That makes sense. We're going to talk about the guy that you've got to have top two in a redraft. It's Anthony Edwards coming up after this break. Hey, guys. So there are just a few things in life that are not that fun to talk about. 
And one of them can be excessive sweating. You know, when you're in a meeting, you're giving a speech, you're at work, and maybe your shirt is sweating through for no reason. And that's kind of embarrassing, right? So some of you might have dealt with this, uh, and it can happen to anyone really. But thankfully, there is this new brand out. It's called Sweatblock. And because they're one of our sponsors, they actually sent me a few weeks ago a lot of their supplies. Uh, they've been really effective, I think, for me. So simply, the only thing you have to do is apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, go about your day as normal without worrying about sweating, and that's guaranteed. I know that sounds too good to be true, but you just have to use it once or twice a week and it can keep you dry that entire time. No more pitting out. No more picking your shirt based on which one will hide sweat better. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check this out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code Locked On or at Amazon or CVS. All right, so Anthony Edwards, uh, I was too low on him last year. We can get into why, but... Basically, the high-level reason was because I feared that he might be, you know, a score that was just a little empty calorie, inefficient, and frankly, that that is what he was most of his rookie season. But the improvement he showed from the first few months of his rookie season to the end of his rookie season was a very, very significant leap. It was about you could argue one of the bigger improvements in season that we have seen. So that was awesome to see from him. I was definitely too low. I'd move him up. Um, you had him top two. Has there been anything that you've been surprised by about Anthony Edwards? Um, Probably with that, probably just the, the rapid kind of growth yeah. from him, especially the, this season so far. I mean, all the sample size is minimal, like three games. Yeah. But just kind of seeing the progression from his rookie year, like you said, throughout the progression of that that whole rookie year was something that was very, very encouraging to me. Um, you know, I understood the pre-draft concerns, um, you know, the defense, the lax defense, um, the shots, the erratic shot selection, mm-hmm. um, decision making at times for sure. Um, but I think now I think he's in a great spot. I think playing with Carl Anthony Towns, someone who, you know, we're even seeing in some of these games, Cat is a guy who's actually getting the ball, you know, at the high post, the uh, top of the key, and he's making decisions kind of like, again, it's, it's not a, a Jokic kind of comparison, but just as far as you could run sort of a, an offense through him a little bit and take the decision-making away from Anthony Edwards. But um, the thing with Ant that I'm, I'm really uh, impressed by, especially this year, is the defense. Yeah. Um, you know, I was always high on, on his defense as far as, you know, him getting to a point where he's going to be an above-average defender, and we're seeing it right now. I don't think he's above-average yet. But I think he's at the point where he's rapidly growing and he's getting better and better as each game passes by. Um, you know, I've watched a lot of guards. You know, I'll bring up the Nuggets. I've just watched, you know, Jamal Murray become a great defender, not a great defender, but he's definitely uh, an above average defender now. He doesn't have the physical tools of an Anthony Edwards. But I just see like it's very, you know, just working hard and, and kind of understanding um, the speed of the NBA game is just really big with that. And Anthony Edwards is a guy who's he's got, you know, great athleticism, you know, a really long wingspan. Um, he's he's six five in that aspect. So yeah. um, just seeing kind of his progression on the defensive end, and then his offense is really picking up now. Um, he's shooting about forty two percent from three. I know it's only three games uh, compared to uh, he was shooting about thirty something last year. So 
and he's actually taking 10 attempts a game as of right now. So him having that much volume, uh, shooting the ball, and then, like I said, his defense as well is giving me really re- good reason for upside, you know, moving forward, especially playing with a, a prospect like Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, to your point, obviously super early in the season, it's been a, just a few games. Or I think they're three and one right now, maybe two and one. Two I and think one. three. Yeah, two and one. So they're like about eight points per hundred possessions better defensively with him on the floor. Too early to read too much into that, but it's something to keep track of as the season goes on because uh, the film to me has agreed with that. Like you said, I think he's been better defensively. He seems like last year, like most rookies, uh, he seemed to just get lost quite a bit. And uh, I I think he's gotten better there. He, He looks really good getting through screens too, which is something very important in the modern NBA. He, he just does have the physical tools that you need to be a superstar. And that that's kind of what I like. I knew he was an elite athlete, but I think I, I still underestimated just how nuclear of an athlete he was because like I thought RJ Hampton was like pretty comparable. Like I knew he wasn't as good vertically, but right. I thought like the quickness of Hampton, like when they grow into their frames, it might be pretty similar. And that, that's just not the case. Like Anthony Edwards. Powerful dunker. He's powerful. He's so powerful. It's insane to watch him. And, and I feel like his first step is even better than it was too. Yeah. Uh, like when he gets downhill and gets his shoulder in front, you, it's a dunk or a layup. There's nothing you can do. Um, and so um, tell me if there's anyone you'd add to this, CT, but I'd say, uh, let's say 2024, three years down the line, we're talking best pound-for-pound pound athletes in the NBA. I think it's Anthony Edwards, Jalen Green, and John Morant. Um, anyone else off the top of your head that you'd, you'd put in that conversation? Because each of those guys are just ridiculous athletes. Um, but the, yeah, no, the, definitely. Anyone else? Because that, those were the guys I came up with. Is there anyone else I'm missing from that group? I don't think so. No, as far as power dunkers and, you know, vertical athletes, I think you, you nailed it for sure. And the, the thing is, too, that separates them is right now, Jalen Green and Ja are very, very slight and Ant is a tank. Right. <laughs> so the, so he even separates himself from there, those guys there. So you could convince me three years down the line, he is the best athlete pound for pound in the NBA, combining the quickness, strength, vertical, you know, all types of athleticism. But like you said, the dunks are awesome, but it's not just for the dunks. Like he has a legit step back now. Uh, he can get to any shot he wants. And so yeah. if there's one guy from that class last year, you know, two years ago now, when you talk about undeniability, when he gets to kind of his peak, like there's not really going to be anything a defense can do to stop him. It's just like, does he miss the shot or not? Because he's just such a freak athlete in terms of his shot creation like good luck guarding him basically. Um, and so that is kind of where I missed. I just underrated that a little bit too much and the efficiency has improved. So my next question to you, CT is, uh, is like, give me something that you want to see him work on and improve this season. Like, what do you think could be maybe a next step for him? I just, I think on both sides of the ball, I think, I think that's um, the main goal I want to see from him. Um, Just kind of seeing his offensive ability where, you know, last year he was playing off the Angelo Russell a little bit, so he didn't have the ball in his hands as much. I think now this year we're seeing 
Um, you know, Chris Finch, the new coach, um, someone who I've, I've been really high on as far as his ability. He was a former assistant in Denver, and I really like the offense he, he installed with, uh, with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Um, you know, I love the, the fact that now they're, they're actually putting the ball in his hands and he's running a lot of pick and roll with Cat. Um, kind of the gravity that he's creating, you know, like we just mentioned before. Something that I was really high on is why I, I had Ant as the number one prospect for a while before then I, I settled on Lamelo. I'm in that process was the fact that his um, that he could really, really operate in the pick and roll as a guy who could uh, make the defenses pay for going under uh, under screens as far as the pull up ability, um, you know, his strength getting to the rim. Um, he's a very, very dynamic cutter. So I think, you know, I don't I don't know how long Russell is going to be there for. Um, I assume, you know, they gave him a lot of money to stay there in a lot of years. So I assume he's going to be there for for a good bit. But, you know, get, just kind of playing off another point guard, you could kind of use his off ball ability as a cutter and. Um, he could actually really offensively rebound as well. So I think, you know, I think the main kind of um, the main kind of uh, thing I want to see from him is decision making as well. You know, I think like the, the star comparison we had before was like Tyrese Halliburton is this guy who, you know, I kind of coined those types of players like a low mistake kind of player. Where mm-hmm. Anthony was more, he was more turnover prone and mistake prone. But I feel like if Anthony, if Edwards could kind of, you know, tone down the um, the turnovers as well as make kind of little mistakes on defense we're seeing his team defense be really really good uh this year so far um yeah. i just think if he kind of cuts down on the mistakes and you know the shot selection on and his defense gets better i think we're going to see a really really dynamic prospect and, and someone who's going to be um you know talked about as one of the better guards in the west in the coming years yeah i i love that final point that you made because one of the bigger things that i think i've learned as an evaluator recently is you just, especially for guards that are going to have the ball in their hand, I think a really big indicator of potential like upside is just the willingness to try stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So like you said, the willingness to make mistakes, and it's not just the turnovers, but if you watched him in college, the shots he would take, like that that half against Michigan State where he got hot, and he would just try stuff, and the ability to try stuff that not many other prospects could even get the shots off he was trying to. Right. Like, in the NBA, it's a skill to get up 20 shots a game. It's hard to do that. You know, sometimes in the past, we've criticized these empty calorie scorers. Well, it turns out Zach Levine is really good. Devin Booker is really good. They just played on sucky teams and bad franchises for a while. And so I think right. I overcorrected there in terms of Ant Edwards, too. Uh, and so I, I I did undervalue him a little, and I'm excited to see him moving forward. So I'll give you one thing that I'm looking to see from Ant Edwards this year. Uh, so far, he's shooting well from three. Uh, it's been a tiny sample. I talked about the defenses look good. Also, I'd add the assist. Uh, like his passing to me has looked a little better too, like you said, Definitely. having the ball in his hands. Uh, so the final thing that I want to see him improve on this year, I've talked about this a lot lately with guys going – into their second year, maybe into their third year, when they're ready to make a big leap, you'll often see guards finish a lot better at the rim. And so with Ant Edwards, you know, looking at his shot mix, 40% of his shots came at the rim. That's really good. And last year he made 59% at the rim, which like, it's not very good, but it wasn't terrible for a rookie either. 57% so far through just a few games. I'd like to see him get that number into the 60s. I think he's got the tools certainly to do it. And to me, when that finishing comes along, it's 
it's a bit of an indicator that the game's slowing down for these guards. And I think we're going to see that from Anthony Edwards moving forward. So keeping our eyes on kind of his finishing numbers at the rim is something that I'm going to be doing this year. Um, and just to finish out, I think I know you mentioned it in the last segment, but moving forward, would you take LaMelo or Anthony Edwards? Let's say you have just like a total blank slate. You've got nothing. It's just like a complete fantasy draft in the NBA. Are you taking Anthony Edwards or, or LaMelo first? I'm, ta- I'm taking LaMelo pretty easily, I think. Yeah, um, me too. I think it's pretty easily there. Um, but yeah. I, I, again, I, I really like Anthony. Um, mm-hmm. I had him as my number one guy for a really, really long time throughout the pre-draft process. About a couple months yep. before the, the draft, I, I put LaMelo at that top spot. But I think Anthony Edwards is establishing himself as the number two guy for sure. I think yep. definitely um, – I think he's definitely proving that right now. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing how him and LaMelo fare going forward. But, you know, two really great prospects and, um, you know, two guys who I think that were, you know, really deserving of those top two spots. Yep, I agree. LaMelo looks like he's taken another step forward. Obviously, we don't have time to to hit on him this whole podcast, but I love his game. And uh, as a Warriors fan, it's a bit bit sad to imagine what could have been. Um, But, uh that that will be for another podcast. Um, yeah. We've got to get into a break now. And then coming up, we will do the final guy we're going to check in from the 2020 class with. That is Sadiq Bey, who is a very interesting prospect moving forward in his own right. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Uh, I've talked about this before. If you've listened to our show, I'm not a guy that liked protein bars before but there are a couple things that I really like about Built Bar. For me, first, it's just the taste and the variety of different flavors that you can choose from, whether you like coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, just tons to choose from. But on top of that, they're also very healthy, 17 to 18 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar and net carbs, and calories range from 130 to 180. So again, amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Uh, You can order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Pretty cool, right? So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so Sadiq Bey, we'll kind of start with the same thing, CT. Um, where did you have him initially on your board, and uh, have there been any drastic changes from him that you have seen? Um, so for me, you know, I was really high on, on Sadiq Bey in that, in that draft class. I had him as a top 20 guy uh, throughout the duration of that year uh, of the cycle. Um, I think I finished out with him as, a, as a 18 maybe, I think, probably around there. I'd have to go check. But uh, he was definitely a top 20 guy for sure. No doubt. No doubt I had him in the top 20. Um, you know, I really watched Sadiq a lot because I'm a St. John's basketball fan. So yep. I really was, you know, I live in I live in the tri-state area in New Jersey as well. So I was able to see Sadiq in person and also see him a lot just watching a lot of St. John's games as well. Um, so I was just very, very high on kind of his modern fit, um, you know, in the NBA as a guy, 3 and D. Um, you know, good defensively. I think he has some passing upside as well. Knockdown shooter. Um, you know, going to a, a place with Detroit now with Kate Cunningham, I think he's going to even take another leap forward as well. 
you know, playing with with the guy who's, you know, as good as Kate is. And Jeremy Grant's another really good wing uh, player as well. But, um, yeah, yeah, had Sadiq Bey is a top 20 guy. And, you know, so far I think he's, he's you know, re- probably even played past that. Yep. Uh, trivia question for you to put you on the spot here. Do you know where last year, uh, obviously it was his rookie year last year. Do you know where he ranked all time for a rookie season in terms of made threes for a rookie? Um, all time. Yeah. Like, uh, obviously for the rookie season, do you know what kind of the record is for threes in terms of, uh, where he ranked, where would you slot him on that list? I'll give, you, I'll give you a clue. It's it's pretty high. <laughs> Was it top 25? Yeah, it's it's third. He was third all time and made threes for a rookie. Wow. I know. Uh, I, I was way off. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense because guys just shoot more and more threes every year, right? So right. I think uh, number two was, um, was Damian Lillard and number one was Donovan Mitchell. And wow, so good, that good that's per, that is good company for sure. Uh, not the creator those guys are, but he can certainly bomb it from the perimeter. Made I think 38% last year. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I had a chance to see him in person a few times at summer league, and then I've seen him in the preseason. I, I will say he has kind of chiseled his body. He's worked on that. He looks he looks really good physically, and uh, he's also tried to work on you know other aspects of his game. I don't think he wants to be classified as just a three and D guy, right? right. Um, only shot 45% on twos last year, which is not, not very good. Um, so I guess the question is CT, do you think he can be more than a three and D guy or at this point, are you pretty fine with him just being a, a very solid three and D guy? I think for, for a top 20 value, just being a solid three and D guy like that is, you know, it's going to return yeah. really great. Um, you know, great, great value in that aspect. But um, for me, I just, I, I always thought Sadiq had more in his bag than what he kind of showed at Villanova. And he showed, you know, glimpses of it, but um, just seeing him more, being more willing um, to be someone who can operate in the pick and roll. You know, we saw that a little bit at Villanova, but um, I was watching the Hawks game last night, actually, because um, I, I know we were talking about doing the podcast. Yeah. Um, so I actually watched the Hawks game and he had a really, really nice play out of the pick and roll where he, you know, he snaked a little bit and then got to the rim. So I just think that he's going to, especially with Kate out too, I think the Pistons are going to put the ball in his hands a little more um, mm-hmm. right now because they're kind of low on, on guard depth. But, um, you know, he's a guy who could kind of, you know, create for himself in that aspect. Um, I've always thought his pick and roll ability was kind of underrated as far as, you know, he could actually be the screener and he could be the guy operating in that aspect as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just seeing him, I think he could be more than a 3 and D guy for sure. Um, I think him playing the four will actually be better for him instead of the three because, you know, at times he has a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of slow feet guarding the perimeter, you know, a little yeah. bit. But I kind of like him more on in the interior guarding fours. But you know, he has that versatility, though. So, um, you know, so far he's he's been pretty good. And I think that he's kind of added a little bit more to his game in the, in the first couple games that I watched. Yeah, there there have been moments he's he's certainly trying to add stuff like he threw in a really nice euro step for a layup in the half court. Yeah, uh, yeah. He often tries to kind of like turn his drives into post ups where he posts up kind of like smaller guards or whatever. And he has like a nice package of moves out of that, which is fun. He has like drop steps, pivots. Uh, but uh, in the end, like even if he is just a three and D guy, like you said, returning top 20 value, like I'm kind of fine with that. 
Um, I agreed with most of what you said, and I think we had the same outlook on Halliburton and Edwards. I think I am still just a little bit lower on Sadiq Bey. Like, if we're talking redraft, he's. I know a lot of people say, like, they have him all the way up top 10. I'm not at that point. I still err a little bit towards more of him being just a really solid 3 and D guy. Um, but this 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 year and next year are going to be big for him to see, you know, these flashes that he's showing, the uh, the attempts at, you know, making more out of himself than a 3 and D guy. If those do crystallize this year and next year, then I'll believe a little more. He just, like you said, he's got a bit of slow feet. He's still kind of stiff. He's more of a four than like a real wing to me. And, right. you know, when he scores, it's mostly either a three, a straight line drive or in transition. I just it's hard for me to envision him adding a ton like in the mid range or at the rim. And he really struggled there last year. But I guess you could have you certainly could have said the same thing about his teammate, Jeremy Grant, who has taken major strides forward as an offensive player. So right. it's certainly possible he's got a great template there in his own teammate. I'm I'm still just a little more conservative with him, um, but I'll be interested to see. And I certainly value what you say because overall, in terms of our evaluation, I had him more as like a late first guy. So I think you were closer. And so I certainly value what you said. And I'm excited to kind of see how much he's able to improve the rest of his game moving forward. Definitely. I think, I think too, in Detroit, where he's got a little bit more of ability to grow. Um, last year, he, I think he started a majority of the year. So that was a good experience for him. And um, I think that he's actually playing beside, you know, a really, really nice counterpart in Jeremy Grant as far as a guy defensively where Jeremy could take the tougher wing assignments and he could be on the guy who's less offensively kind of capable. I think that's definitely a good role. But he also has shown ability to switch, you know, onto guards and, and forwards. And even kind of some some bigger bigger players as well, but like what do you what do you envision kind of his role being? Do you, do you think he'll be a three and D like strictly three and D guy? Do you think he could operate more in the pick and roll? Yeah. Like what what do you what do you kind of envision him to be? Because I'm kind of well, still struggling with that a little bit. Well, you make a good point in that he plays for a Detroit team that, especially when Cade Cunningham isn't playing like he's not right now, they don't have any great creators and they're not competing for a playoff spot. So they're fine giving him chances to try to create, to try some of this stuff and experiment, kind of uh, explore the space of his offensive game. And if he were playing for a better team, that probably wouldn't be the case. He'd probably be shoehorned into a three and D role. So I think it's good. He's getting these reps in the end though. I just feel like Cade is going to be the guy on the ball. The most of the time, the guy they're going to certainly prioritize and then Jeremy Grant's going to end up getting those reps. Like I, I, I do see him more being a three and D guy. And like you said, I also thought of him more as a four than a three. Um, right. But I looked up, you know, so far through his NBA career, he hasn't really played the four much. You know, Detroit has a lot of these big guys. They've kind of infamously overpaid for a lot of these guys, <laughs> right? So, so he is he is stuck playing the three. I would like to see him play the four. I just don't know how good defensively. And then he's not a great rebounder either. That was, those were my concerns about him as a prospect. And so similar to these other guys, like I think my evaluation of him was, was accurate. He's just been kind of better at the things he's good at than I anticipated. Like 
he's getting up a ton of threes. He's making them. And the defense has been solid. And, like, he plays for a bad team. So, like, no offense, but he's going to get minutes. He's going to get shots. He's going to put up stats. Like, I I am still lower in terms of my outlook on him than I think most would be. I don't expect him to be, like, a shot creator uh, at a high level. Now can it be, like, the third guy offensively where – the ball gets swung to him off of a pick and roll. He attacks a closeout, finishes at the rim, you know, maybe hits a, a pull up. Yeah, I, I think so. But right. I don't think he's going to be a guy that you even lean on him for like bench units, really. And, mm. and that's fine. Like if he's a really good role player, like you said, that's fine value for a guy that went later in the draft. Right. Yeah, I think I, I, I think you made a really great point, actually, with saying um, that you thought he was better than the things that you know he was good at. Um, I think the things that he's good at are, are pretty, are very important actually for like what kind of like building around Cade is one aspect of it, but also just in general, um, him being a knockdown shooter, who's a versatile wing and I, and he's versatile enough, I think where he could kind of hold his own on defense, um, hold his own on the perimeter as well as, as far as scoring the ball. So I think he'll probably return like a top 20 value, just being a knockdown shooter who could, you know, he could make the extra pass. Um, I think he's more low mistake uh, than he's given credit for. Um, yep. So in that aspect, like he's a capable passer, really, really good shooter and a decent defender. I think like as a baseline skill set, especially around K, like I just said, I think is, is really, really good. Um, you know, I think going forward, we'll see if he can add anything else to his game. But I think that baseline of skills that he has not right now contributing, I think is is pretty beneficial. But definitely, I think there definitely are some long-term concerns. Yep. And to kind of tie the bow here with Sadiq Bey, would you say that, you know, let's say two years from now, do you think it's likely that he's a starter for like a a top six seed in the playoffs? Because I think that's an important question. Uh, Obviously, it depends on the circumstance. I still would lean no. I would, I still would lean. I see him more as like a six through eighth man. Um, what about you? Yeah, I would, I would lean no for right now. Yeah, I would lean okay. no for that right now. But I think maybe in a couple of years, if the Pistons are good and you know, Cade can carry them to the playoffs, um, I just think that the baseline assortment of skills that he has is good enough where he could be, like you just said, like a eighth to sixth man. Mm-hmm. I think you know, decent defender, really good shooter, and you know, NBA teams need really good shooting, and especially at his size too. That's a pretty rare thing to have. Yep. Um, but I would probably bet against him being a starter. But it would not surprise me if he is. Yep. All right. Well, I think that is all we've got time for today. Thank you, CT, for taking the time to join me. It was a lot of fun revisiting some of these guys. Um, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. First off, uh, thank you, Sam, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Always great uh, coming out here talking, you know, college ball and draft and NBA. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at CTFazio24. Um, you know, the NBA is just starting up. So I've got, um, you know, tweeting about the Nuggets here and there. Um, I'll actually be coming out with my first uh, preseason college basketball piece. Uh, I'm going to start detailing three prospects uh, at a time uh, of the returning players as well. And I'll have a list coming out um, for everybody um, for all of the returning college players in each power conference. I usually do that every year now. So, yeah, I've got a couple articles coming out. Uh, just, you know, just follow me on Twitter, CT Fazio 24. Yep. Give that a 
Reed, when that comes out, he does great work, and I always love having him on the show. So thank you, CT, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Draft your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now make your second listen of the day the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by Josh Lloyd, and it is the number one daily fantasy basketball podcast show on the planet. It is also free and available on all platforms.